Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Outlaw Country Podcast. Today we're joined by Dallas Moore. So Dallas, thanks for joining us today. Top of the morning, man, amigos. <laughs> <laughs> so Dallas, the first time I've ever really heard of your music, uh, I don't know if you know this about us, but we're based out of Omaha, Nebraska. And yeah. uh, I, we love going to Buck's Bar and Grill, so that's how we really found your music. And I was just wondering, what, what do you think of that uh venue and you enjoy playing there it's kind of they box is the only bar in venice nebraska yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> no man uh we love but we love uh, uh playing bucks actually we're going to be uh returning there um in september if the good lord's willing the creek don't rise you know everything's yep. so crazy with stuff keeps shutting down and 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 getting to play live shows is just real tricky right now but um as long as everything goes goes good we'll be returning to bucks um i forget the actual date but it's it's coming up here in september so um we always love getting out there and uh and they got good eats and good music absolutely and long star beer so it works out pretty good (laughs) how did you first hear about bucks did he contact you or how did that uh yeah, I, 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 we had started hearing uh, about like uh, Whitey Morgan and uh, Ward Davis and Cody James and a lot of different guys were playing out out there. And um, and then I can't remember if uh, it was done through a booking agent or, or if uh, Buck reached out to us. or I, I think we were put together uh, with them by our, our mutual friend, Jeb Brown, who runs the Backroom uh, Listening Lounge in, in Riverton, Illinois. And he was friends with Buck. And I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that that's how we ended up out there the first time. We played out there four or five times now. Yeah. Um, we were supposed to be there back in April, and then that got canceled when, when everything was shut down. So the September date will be our, our makeup date for, for this year. So um, very much looking forward to getting out there. And yeah, well, I'll get, come check you out. Yeah, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> I always have a little mini family reunion when I get out there because my niece, um, she uh, she works at the, the Omaha Zoo. And that's oh, okay. the only time I get to see her unless yeah. she comes home, comes back to Ohio for Christmas. <laughs> but yeah, so, it's great. Out there. Um, you mentioned that this show is going to be in September. Have you started doing shows again recently or is that something you're going to pick up here pretty soon? No, we, we, uh, we've been playing, uh, you know, sporadically since, um, Memorial Day weekend. Okay. We were we were on tour back in Texas uh, on March nineteenth when we played our our last show. When we were supposed to be en route to Arizona, and everything got shut down, came to a screeching halt. You know, and uh, so then we were we were locked down and we couldn't play anywhere for um, just shy of, of three months. You know, it was it, it was. Uh, I think one week shy of three months, I believe it was. And then um, starting on Memorial Week Day weekend, different states started, started opening up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've just kind of been going where we, where we could. Um, we've only got to play three full band shows and, and um, that entire time. Just about everything that we are getting to play is very stripped down acoustic duo shows with me and uh, 
Lucky Chucky, Chuck Morpurgo, who's been my guitar player. Uh, we've been together this year 25 years. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> so it's been the two of us. Because uh, everywhere that is open is at a very, very limited capacity. Yep. And they have to have everything with the, all the social distancing and everything. So um, a lot of venues, are, some are only allowed to sell 50 tickets, you know, or um, – Sometimes they'll just make it a free show and just have a you know limited capacity. Um, so everything's having to be very stripped down for the most part. Um, that's what we'll be doing at Bucks. Um, I'm okay. pretty sure when we come, it'll be it'll be me and Chucky on that run. Um, I think the night before we're playing in um, Pierre, South Dakota, okay. uh, at a place, and then coming to Bucks on a Saturday night uh, from there. But yeah, so that's what we've been doing um, the entire month of July. We had 28 shows booked in Texas, Arizona, Colorado, Nevada, and California, and then all of those states, all of those states shut back down. Mm-hmm. So we had to, you know, regroup and and we've been uh, picking up shows, you know, in in states where we're allowed to play. And um, but like I say, it's everything so far that we've been able to do are all very um, small. It's a weird kind of an oxymoron to say it's a small, intimate show, <laughs> but you're yeah. social distancing because you're not supposed to be intimate, which you're really not. They just can't put that many people in, you know, in, in, in the room. You know, there's uh, there's one venue that we played that is normally a thousand seat room, and they had a hundred hundred people in there, and it was all spaced out. It looked like there was nobody there. It was like well, it was a giant empty room. Mm-hmm. Does but that they, make they were, it, Does that make it feel different then, or? I mean, does it feel weird just playing in front of such like a small crowd and such like a big no, crowd? no? Because we've always well, we've always played played for everybody, you know, um, big and big and small. We play them all, you know, and uh, <laughs> we 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 played for many a small crowd <laughs> in, our, in our day. Um, so um, we we treat it all the same, and we're just glad to be able to to um, to play music, you know, but for everybody. Well, your last single was um, Lockdown and Loaded. Was it kind of hard to sit down and write a song about everything that was going on? Is it a unique situation? You know, it was uh, – I, I write songs – everybody does it, you know, in a different way. And uh, what works for me is uh, if I try to sit down and, write a, and try to write a song, um, nine times out of ten, it's going to be horrible, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> – um, but what I usually do is um, I get out on the ride on my road king, um, or if I'm on the tractor and mowing, that's the only times you know I ain't got you know people in my head and talking and uh, and I and the melodies and lyrics come to me then and then when I get back to the house then I'll get a guitar and flesh out the music. Well, um, when we got shut down, we was in the middle of our tenth year playing over three hundred shows a year and. Uh, I hadn't written a song in almost two years. The last thing I'd written was Everything But You, which was on the Trying To Be A Blessing album, which yeah. came out in October of last year. And uh, all of a sudden, I found myself with a lot more time to ride my bike <laughs> and, and a lot more grass I needed to cut. <laughs> and, uh, so in in the midst of uh, the weeks we were locked down, I wrote, I wasn't expecting to write, you know, to even think about a new album this quick. And I wrote the whole the whole album. Um, I got eleven songs, 
and I wrote all of them, and three of them I co-wrote with my friend Ted Russell Camp, who um, is the bass player for Shooter Jennings, and Ted's a great producer and songwriter and singer and performer in his own right. Um, he was in quarantine at his place in Los Angeles, and he messaged me. Uh, I was locked down here at the Texas Ohio Ranch, and uh, he said, hey, we're, we can't go anywhere or do anything. What, what would you think about trying to co-write some songs uh, via the magic of FaceTime, you know? And I thought, well, hell, I ain't never done anything like that, so let's see how it goes. <laughs> and in about an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes, something like that, we knocked out three songs, and I'm going to be cutting all three of them on this new album. Um, we're going into uh, Omnisound Studios in Nashville on August 18, 19, and 20 to record record this one. And uh, I'm bringing back Dean Miller, um, to produce he's produced my last two records and uh we've just got a great working relationship and a friendship and and i'm super stoked about this one because uh i think this is the strongest record that i've ever had you know in all these years and it, it, the whole thing just kind of came about off being you know like it's not like it's a, a coronavirus concept album by any means <laughs> but the songs definitely were influenced by you know the situation you know um obviously lockdown and load it very much is <laughs> yeah. probably more so than anything else on the album but there's other um uh, there's other uh, allusions within the different tracks you know of kind of the circumstances of what's going on and uh and everybody's dealing it dealing with it in their own way and and that comes out in these songs with the way you know the way i'm handling everything you know well, when can we expect that that new album you're talking about? Do you have a date in mind? Or we would well, we have to record it first, so we're going we're going to be recording it uh, in August, and that would most likely have it be an early 2021 release because we we would need we usually try to be at least six months out, you know, from from release so we can promote it properly and okay. and get get it get it out there. And we used to back in the days as soon as we as soon as the truck dropped off your load of cds that was the day it got released and we'd start yeah. selling out of the out of the trunk of our car but we're doing it a little different now and uh and uh it's working out better so we we're we're it usually takes about six months of of setup and, and promotion before we actually have have the release so i without giving a actual date because i don't know yet i would say early 2021 okay Ooh, okay okay well, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, so you mentioned um, like 10 years of doing like 300 plus shows. Um, my kind of question was, um, is it like, does it ever become like too much to handle? Like, do you ever get into like a routine or is just every day just totally different than the last one? No, yeah, every day's totally different. It's never there. We don't we don't have a routine. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, you know, it's not for everybody, um, but it's what I've, that's what I love to do. Um, uh, I'll be 50 years old uh, next Friday, and I've been doing this since I was 16. That's all I've ever done, and uh, and it's uh, we've been very very blessed to do what we love for a living for all these years, and and just now um, really um, really enjoying a, a, a lot of things with it. Um, I'm, I have my wife and my daughter just turned three years old, and. Um, uh, as she's getting older, they're able to come with me on on more trips, and um, and I've got uh, you know just a great great so support team of of my friends and bandmates, and um, 
everybody working with me. I'm Brian DeBruler at Soul Records. Um, it's my best friend, a business partner, and and uh, we just we just kind of keep our circle tight and, and we keep rolling and keep the roads hot. <laughs> yeah, that's what we love to do, you know. So are you guys usually hitting the road then like immediately after the show or do you tend to kind of stay a night or something like that? It all depends uh, on where the next show is. As, as, as hard as we run, a lot of times we leave as soon as, because we may have a 10, 12 hour drive right. to the mm-hmm. next show. Um, sometimes if we get lucky, everything's routed nice and, and we'll be able to, you know, play the show, stay in a hotel and then get up and only have a few hours drive to the next town. Um, you know, that, that, that's a little easier, but we, we, we pull a lot of all nighters, yeah. <laughs> you know, it just depends on where we're going, you know? Well, I saw, I was looking at your music and I saw you had a live prison album, kind of like Johnny Cash. And what, what was that like? What was the show like? And how did you set something like that up? Well, that was the live at the Bullet County Jail. Um, uh, Bullet County is just south of Louisville, Kentucky. And we had a, a mutual friend who her son was, um, was in, in, she was working volunteering at the jail. And um, she was, her son had been in and out and, and had, had some drug problems. And, and so she was volunteering with the rehab program. And, and they were coming up with different, you know, ideas on, on things to kind of boost morale and, and try to help people out that were in rehabilitation. And she proposed the idea to us. Um, and we said, um, well, originally she, she just was seeing if, if we would come and play. And I said, well, we, we come and play if you'll allow us to record it. You know, we would only yeah. do original songs that I that I'd written, and uh, we wouldn't be doing any covers or anything like that. And but we would, uh, if you'd let us record it and document this, um, we would we'd like to do it. And so then, she, once we were on board, then she had to go back and forth with the jail, and the show was on, then it was off, then it was on, then it was off several times because yeah. they had never done anything like that. And there was a lot of protocols, you know, to it, um, and. Finally, we found out two days before it was going to happen because the jailer had um, given a, a press release. And we found out in the paper, like it hit the paper, and then that got linked to us. We got tagged in a Facebook post where the article had come out that I was more to record album at Bullet County Jail. And I was like, I guess we're wrong. And it was two <laughs> days later, you know. Um, so uh, we went down there, and it was just uh, myself and, and Chuck. And we were locked in this little bitty room with 100 inmates and the jailer, Martha Knox, and um, the captain and two guards. And everybody was, some of them were still in shackles and everything. And everybody was in such close quarters, um, like they're the front row of, of inmates. Their, their boots were lined up right with my boot. And I was right there singing in the, the mic stand, you know. And... Uh, so it was it was close quarters, but uh, we played played the uh, played the set. And what's not what I w- wish we would have been able to uh, include on the, the, the album was after we were done, the uh, they were allowed like ten minutes of like you know question and answer, and they got to talk talk to us. And so many of the of the inmates were saying that the they 
related to my song so much that they're like that that one song is you know that's that sounds like you wrote my life and you know that's something that i struggled with on, on this or that's why i'm in here you know kind of thing and uh um they uh they, the the jailer and the captain they told us that it really boosted morale and uh and it was it was it was good for everybody and um then we made a, a thing that day we said we told everybody said any y'all that are that are here you made this record with us and well you're not going to be in here forever and when you get out let us know because this is your record too and we've had several um of the guys that w that were in there um that have got the record and been like man and then they've come to shows to see us you know since then and it was a it was a hardcore and humbling you know experience all the way around it was just but it was it was it was a one one-time shot and we'll never get to do something like that again and um and we didn't do any uh post-production or try to clean anything up we wanted to capture when you put that cd in um you know or you listen to the download or whatever we haven't released that one on vinyl i'm, I'm hoping so are you gonna I'm hoping we will because oh, um, I would love to get that on vinyl. We started doing vinyls the record after that uh, with Mr. Honky Tonk. Um, so I, I would hopefully maybe we'll reissue Bullet County Jail on, yeah. on vinyl. But okay. we wanted to capture the feeling of what it was like in that room. So everything is just very stark and, you know, there's there's no effects. It's just me and Chuck and our two guitars and playing you know it's very raw sounding and and we we, we captured that if, if you listen to the, the the track when you're first hearing you know the applause is very light because they were not allowed to um applaud or show any kind of emotion or anything until until uh the jailer like if she reacted then then they were allowed to and and so at first it's like you know, like that, you know, and uh, <laughs> we're just playing, going through our stuff. And uh, as we got into a, a few things, all of a sudden the jailer was into it, and all of a sudden they're all clapping and going because <laughs> they had to. And then from then on out, you can hear the applause get louder through it, and that's what was going on with it. It was because you know, they they were afraid to you know do anything because they get punished, you know, and nobody wanted that. We was we was trying to do something good and not everybody no getting no more heat, you know. Yeah, um, but yeah, it was uh, it was a once in a lifetime thing, man, and I'm real glad we got to do it. Yeah, that's a very cool thing. Uh, you want the next one? Um, so kind of going back to the doing your shows like every single night. Um, are you ever like having drinks on stage? Is there like something that's like your kind of go to thing? Um, like there's something that you like uh, whiskey or something that you like to have during a show or anything like that? Oh, I, I like Lone Star beer and fine Kentucky bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, so you all, like when you hang out with your buddies, stuff that's your main go-to, you don't drink anything else besides that? Oh, uh, well, we'll drink anything too thin to eat. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, that, that, that's my preference. <laughs> okay, I, I respect that. Well, um, when you were growing up, Dallas, did you – did you play any sports or were you always just kind of into music? No, I, that's all I did was play sports until I, I didn't even get a first guitar until I was 16 years old. And other than uh, when I was a little kid, uh, when, I, when I was seven years old, I sang two Elvis Presley songs at my sister's wedding in 1977. <laughs> um, but that was my only uh, musical thing, you know, when I was little. Um, 
I used to sing Elvis, Elvis, and and uh, and Waylon Jennings songs when I when I was a little kid. Uh, you know, um, but uh, I played sports. You know, and uh, I played baseball and and football, and I boxed. And I played basketball, but I wasn't very good at it. I was hey, neither, neither was I. Neither of us were, so it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always made the team, but, but I rode the bench a lot on basketball. But, but um, I, was, I was pretty good at baseball and football and boxing, um, and, and I, I loved them. And then uh, my mom got me my first uh, – my mom, Major Lee, she got me my, my first guitar when I was 16 years old and weren't my life, and here I am now. <laughs> So, what was your favorite sport that you played out of all of them? I like baseball. Well, I love baseball, football, and boxing. Uh, you know, <laughs> the, I liked them all. The, the you know, the best. And uh, we our 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 baseball team. We played Babe Ruth League and Knock Hole. You know, and uh, and in football, we I played for our for our junior high and high school. Um, and, and but then when I turned sixteen, when I got the guitar, I quit. Everybody just quits. I dropped all the sports, you know, all all at once. And uh, the town I grew up in, Norwood, Ohio, it was an old factory town, you know. And my dad, um, he uh, he retired. He'd worked um, almost thirty years in the in the Siemens factory there, and and. All, all the kids I grew up with, uh, m most of their parents worked in one of the factories. GM was there back in the day, and U.S. Playing Card. Um, there was all the factories, and and playing playing sports was pretty much everybody figured your only ticket, you know, to get to get out of town, or you was mm -hmm. you'd be in one of those factories. Well, most of the factories all ended up closing down. There's only a few of them left, you know, um, and. Uh, so when I when I got the guitar and I quit playing sports, my dad was pissed. <laughs> yeah, he was like, "You're going to be busting your ass, the, the, you know, the rest of your life the same way as I am, you know, playing sports." I was pretty good and and uh, looked like you know might have you know uh, at least a college future, you know. Um, uh, and uh, my dad, my, I just quit everything. Like I, once I got the guitar, that was it. That's all I had. It's all ever done since then, you know, and that was all she wrote. And uh, my dad was pissed for a while, and then and then the music thing started taking off, and he ended up being, along with my mom and Majali, my biggest fan. <laughs> <laughs> so you might get – you probably get this a lot. Was there, like, a specific point um, in your career where you kind of, like, realized this is something that um, – that like you could continually do in your point where like I might actually like make it doing this. Like, did you ever have that moment? Yeah. As soon as I played my first gig, <laughs> that it, it wasn't a, a matter of quote unquote making it or anything. It just, I decided early on that this would be my path and that that's what, that's what I was put here to do. And, and, uh, and I just said, I've never looked back and we've been through the worst of the worst times. And, and now we're enjoying, uh, you know, the uh, best times of, of my life and our career and everything right now in the middle of a pandemic, who knew, you know, <laughs> crazy, but it's just, um, you know, the last, last several years have just been, just been great. And, and, but at the same time, uh, you know, uh, I wouldn't trade in any of the lumps we've taken over the years. And we've, a lot of times we took the wrong road and the hard, the hard road and, and, uh, um, went around the block to get to the house next door and <laughs> did everything the wrong way and, um, ass backwards. But, um, that's how we learned, 
you know, to do everything. And, and, and that's how, uh, just, and, and, and I'm always still learning. I will be my whole life. You know, um, you're always learning and trying to kick the can a little farther down the road, you know, and, and do better than you did the day before. And that's, that's what we're trying to do. <laughs> Definitely. Well, when you're not writing music or playing shows, is there any hobbies you have that you like to do? Yeah, not mowing the lawn. <laughs> uh, my main thing uh, is uh, I ride my, my old Harley Davidson Road King. Um, okay. Uh, I don't. I don't because of our tour schedule. I haven't got to do as many cross country rides as I, as I used to do. Um, for ten years, um, we we would play in Sturgis, South Dakota yeah. every year. And uh, uh, like the last four or five years that we did that, I, I rode, I'd ride the bike and the band would be on the bus. And, uh, but I would ride the bike. In fact, that was me and my wife's honeymoon. Uh, we had just got married and uh, she hopped on the back of the bike and, and we were all rode, rode all the way to Sturgis and then <laughs> was, awesome. played, played all week. And then we rode back. It was a three, it was three weeks on the back of a motorcycle for our honeymoon. Uh, uh, that's how we got to know one another, and we just had our 10-year wedding anniversary, and she ain't killed me yet. She's had ample opportunity. <laughs> so I guess it worked out pretty good. But, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm an old, old scooter trash biker, you know, so I, I, I love to ride. Um, and I, I like to hunt and fish, uh, you know. Um, and really my main thing, you know, now is I, I love to um, – spend time and, and do stuff with my daughter, Victory Lee Moore. She just turned three years old on June 14th. And um, we've got her in her second season of tap and ballet dancing. She, oh, her favorite is Shirley Temple. My wife started showing her early on all the old Shirley Temple movies. So she wanted to tap dance and do ballet. And uh, and then we just got her started on golf and tennis and, yeah. and baseball and swimming. So we keep her real busy and she keeps yeah. us real busy. That's good. Well, with all the shows that you played, and you've probably played thousands of shows, what do you think is the craziest moment that's happened during one of your shows? Oh, um, I don't know. We've had some crazy stuff. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if this was the craziest, but um, the biggest crowd we ever played for was on my 31st birthday. Um, we, uh, we did a show with Leonard Skinner, and it was a free show in Louisville, Kentucky on the Great Lawn, and 111,000 people showed up. Oh, my God. And, and we walked out, you know, in front of Skinner, and it was just mayhem. You know? <laughs> it was, it was, it was, and it was my birthday, so it was, it was, it, I'll never forget it. It was, it was really cool. And we played to some pretty big crowds on, on festivals and stuff before. I think, I think besides that, about 80,000 would be the, the biggest, but still to this day, that, that they said a free show with Leonard Skinner in Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah, there. And everybody showed up, you know. Um, it was just it looked like an ocean of people, you know. Um, and uh, it was it was it was really neat. Um, but I've I've over the years I've been real blessed that I've got to share the stage um, sometimes for just one show, uh, many times full tours and stuff with um, a whole lot of my heroes and champions. And uh, it's pretty cool when your heroes become your friends. And I've been real blessed in that. Um, along the way you know and uh we've got the tour with you know willie nelson i did shows with waylon jennings several with merle haggard and george jones david allen cole leonard skinner the allman brothers marshall tucker man like all, all our heroes you know um it's over the years it's 
it's been great. And then we still uh, now get, get to do shows with a lot of friends. Um, and we, we had stuff that we were supposed to be playing some shows with uh, Ray Wally Hubbard and um, Kinky Friedman um, and Billy Joe Shaver and stuff. And that everything's kind of on hold right now for all that stuff because um, they're, they're not really have, able to have very many you know, bigger shows like that. So we're just kind of plugging along and getting in what we can. But um, it, it, it's it's been really cool to, you know, be able to learn from, from your heroes, like up close and personal, you know. Um, like the best advice I ever got in my life was from Willie Nelson. Uh, he told me, do it for the love, but never be above the money. <laughs> so, and I've always, you know, stuck with that. <laughs> so... And uh, Joe, Jody Payne was Willie Nelson's um, guitar player for 37 years. And he adopted me and start, and became my godfather while we were out on tour together. We found out he graduated the same high school that me and my mother did. And, uh, and he actually was a year ahead of my mom. And he went straight into the Army when, when, he, when he got out. And he never got his high school yearbook. And when I came home from that run we were doing with Willie Nelson, um, I told my mom that she ran up to the attic and she got dug into this old box and she found her, what would have been her junior yearbook and it would have been Jody's senior yearbook. And she said, are you going to see him again? I said, yeah, we have another show next week. <laughs> um, and, and I said, okay, it was in Terre Haute, Indiana. And it was with Willie Nelson, Leon Russell and the amazing rhythm aces. And uh, we, uh, I, I took that year. She said, well, take it to Jody. I'm never going to need it. And sure enough, his senior picture was right in there, and he never oh, got wow. to get it. And so my mom I, and I, I took it to him, and uh, he said, man, he said, that's the coolest thing in the world. I would have never <laughs> been able to have that. And he said, they said, Dallas, you're, you're one of them cats that I could call my brother or my son, so I'm going to be your godfather. And <laughs> So from then on, Jody Payne was my godfather. <laughs> well, you mentioned you said you played shows with uh, all those legends. Well, I was really curious, what was Waylon Jennings like? Oh, man, meeting Waylon. Meeting Waylon and Willie was was the complete opposite. When, when, you, <laughs> when you met Waylon, it was um, this whole thing um, – like you didn't know if you're going to get to meet him or not. He was, he was with Jesse on his bus, which was called the black Maria at the time. And it was parked right outside the stage doors. And I was, I was open solo acoustic opening some shows for him in Kentucky. And, uh, you know, I was just, you know, just fingers crossed, you know, I was just so, <laughs> so tickled that I was getting to play the shows, but I just wanted to meet him so bad, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and it was on and off between his management and the, at, at, at the time I had a manager back then. Uh, and it, but they're all going back and forth from trying to set it up. And, well, no, he's not seeing anybody today. And, you know, he's not going to. So we didn't think it was going to happen. And then all of a sudden uh, I had played my, my, my show and his bus was right outside the door. And so he, he had heard my show. And then I got the word when I came off stage. Hey, Waylon heard your show and he wants to meet you. <laughs> so wow. they're like, we're, we're going to take you back. And, and so I'm, I go out through this little alley there and uh, these four big dudes in trench coats that had, it looked like they had sawed off shotguns down in, in our trench coats. They come out 
and Waylon comes down, Waylon and Jesse come come down down the steps, and it was like me fucking Darth Vader or something. <laughs> 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 it was just it was larger than life or Elvis or something, you know. I don't know how to describe it. It was, and he was just so kind uh, to me, and uh, and uh, and and I was standing there, had a black leather duster on and and uh and drenched in sweat and everything playing and you know and just wanted to shake his hand you know and and tell him what a hero he was of mine and he was just so kind and 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 said 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 he enjoyed my show and invited me he said you stick around hoss we're getting ready to turn it up wow that's that's <laughs> I, thought, I, thought, I, thought, I thought it was pretty cool and yeah uh, um, Waylon always played through these two Fender amps that, uh, and, uh, and I got pictures of me opening those shows where I'm standing in the middle of the two amps. And, that, um, at years later, um, I ended up buying one of those amps. Um, Waylon had sold it to Dale Watson in an estate sale and, and, uh, Dale had put out an ad in the old, uh, Lonesome Standard Time. Was a, was a country music magazine and they had like classified ads in the back of it and Dale Watson was selling Waylon's amp oh, wow. in the classifieds of his mag magazine and so I replied to it and uh, ended up buying Waylon's amp um, so from cool. Dale <laughs> it's kind of a crazy story and I, I still got it I'll never I'll never get rid of it you know? that's awesome um, because there was only two of there was two of the main ones, and he had two others that he used as a backup. But um, but they're they're about as big as a refrigerator. And if you see any of the old pictures of Waylon, he'd always have them. He'd be standing in the middle, and the amps were facing like that in, and the one on the left that's the one that I got. Awesome. <laughs> and it's magic if you plug into it. You plug a Telecaster into it, and I swear to God, it, it just takes on. It comes to life, man. <laughs> it's pretty cool. I really wanted to know your opinion on what what do you think of today's country music uh i know it's very commercialized especially on the radio coming out of nashville but are you familiar with some of the oh you are you mentioned um some of the modern day outlaws like you whitey morgan cody jinx all those guys are you uh pretty happy with them they're get, they're getting a pretty big following are you pretty happy with where country music's at today yeah, you know, every, everybody's doing their own thing, and uh, it, it, it being an independent artist, like as we always have, um, it, it's a lot different now than it was, you know, when I was coming up doing it. But it used to be um, back then, you either had a major label Nashville deal or you didn't. You were dead in the water, and and we never did, <laughs> so we were dead in the water. But we were just always doing it ourselves, and we've been doing it ourselves so long that it finally caught up to where now you can do this, do this by yourself. You don't have to have a, a, a major label, you know, and, and for good, good or bad at the end of the day, I own all my own music. Um, I own all my own publishing. I've never given, given any, anything away. And um, if I'm losing money, that's on me. If I'm making money, it's on me. Um, and I'm in total control of what I'm putting out. You know, uh, I don't, I, I don't have to record anything I don't want to. And, and, and it's an outlet for me to do, you know, whatever I want. And so that's, that's, that's how the whole quote unquote outlaw country music thing was was born was out of artistic freedom and at the end of the day 
it, that's what it really still boils down to. And, you know, I don't, I don't worry about what anybody may have say anything good or bad or indifferent about what anybody else is doing or whatever. Uh, uh, you know, everybody's doing their thing and what they think is, is, you know, what their choices are and, and what's right for them. And, and I do what's right for me and all get all gets along pretty good, <laughs> but it's great to see, uh, you know, like I say, uh, so many independent artists uh, start to get, you know, you know, major traction, you know, and, and doing it on their own terms. I mean, it's, 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 it's like everybody's almost reinvented the wheel. You know, it's, it's, it's really come back and put the control back in the, in the hands of the artist. Um, and, you know, it's, it, I think it's a, it's a great thing. That's what mainly like sparked us to make our, this podcast is we wanted to promote those independent guys that it is harder for them to, to get promoted and things like that. Harder. Yeah. And so we, and they, I think those guys make the best music. So we really want yeah. to help promote those guys. Well, Hey, we appreciate, we appreciate y'all because it's guys like you do, doing what you do that gives light to guys like me and, and, and everybody else, you know, and it's, it's all, everybody's working and, you know, cross promoting one another and, and it's nothing but a good thing. You know, I always say a rising uh, tide raises all ships, you know, so, every, you know, y'all having me on here is helping me out and yeah. we, we greatly appreciate it, man. Yeah, we enjoy it, man. It's a good time. <laughs> um, so we were kind of introduced to you, um, by, uh, JR, Justin Moore's manager. <laughs> yeah. um, so, can you kind of tell us, like, how'd you get to know him? And uh... <laughs> Well, I'll tell you how we met. <laughs> we were playing uh, at the, the floor of Bama in, in Perdido Key, Florida, a legendary uh, great, last great American roadhouse, as they call it. And I'm actually going to be there next weekend, August 7, 8, 9, for my 50th bir birthday bash at the beach. Um, so this is fast forward now, oh, well over 20 years that we've been playing the floor of Bama. So we were playing um, all those years ago, and it was actually our first time playing the floor of Bama. We had come in, we had played Myrtle Beach Bike Week, and the band had rode down in a van, and I rode my Road King in a torrential rainstorm <laughs> from Myrtle Beach down to Pretty Dickey, Florida. <laughs> uh, my Road King turned into a jet ski. I was so soaking wet <laughs> like a drowned rat. I mean, it, it was raining sideways on me the whole time, you know. And uh, so we got there and we wore out and uh, we were staying up, up, it's called the Old River House and it's across the street of, uh, from the floor of Bama. And it's the old house that used to belong to Hank Cochran, um, who's a legendary Hall of Fame songwriter, wrote so many great songs. And uh, um, it's his, his old house. And so that's where they put the bands up that were playing. So we were sharing the band house with my great friend, the late, great Wayne Mills. And Wayne was playing there. And at the time, JR was road managing Wayne. And, but we're, we're in there and we're in there for a couple of days. And everybody, everybody the two bands are in there and we're partying and raising hell and having a good time and playing music and carrying on. And the next day, the, that went on Sunday and Monday. And Tuesday, we were getting ready to leave, and we had hit it off so well that Wayne had invited us to come play in Tuscaloosa at his gig. And so we were like, okay, well, let's go. So we're packing everything up, and, and Wayne's 
getting all his guys together. And he's like, all right, come on, we're leaving. And there's this little bar that's in the center room of the way the house is configured. And we had no idea anybody was there. Well, up pops old JR. <laughs> He'd been on a sleeping bag with a cooler behind that bar for the whole two days. <laughs> Nobody had seen him. He was down there. Oh, he gets God. up, his hair's all crazy. And he got he pops up and he's like, Raise hell, it's land gravel. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I said, I'm gonna write that someday. And we just <laughs> joked about it and, and then a couple years went by and I ended up writing the song Raising Hell and Slaying yeah. Gravel. But that originally came from <laughs> from him popping up. And then he went on and we uh he went on to the gig with us and, and we just been great brothers and friends. Uh I'm hoping I get to get to see him next weekend. Uh last time we were at the floor of Bama back in January, he was down there and uh he said he was uh, he was moving uh over there somewhere around Gulf Shores or something like that, somewhere in the area. So I'm, I'm hoping I run into him this weekend, man. He's a great brother and friend. Yeah, he's a good dude. We got a, we got a lot of history together, but that's how we met. That's no bullshit. That's awesome. <laughs> he popped up. We had no idea he was there. <laughs> he just pops <laughs> up from behind the bar. Raise that one, Slane Gravel. <laughs> yeah, well, our, our podcast we did with him, he said that to us when when we were like signing off, when we were ending. He said, raise hell, sling gravel, boys. <laughs> That's so. it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> well, your music is definitely very, very outlaw. Besides your music, what would you say the most outlaw thing is about you? Oh, I probably just, uh, I, I don't even know <laughs> that you're going to call it outlaw or not. Just, uh, just we do all, everything on our own. I just live my life on my own terms, you know, yeah. um, that, that, that's it. And just try to, I, I don't know how outlaw it is, but I, it's kind of like, like Willie says, and like with the golden rule, you know, treat people like you want to be treated. And I, I try to be good to everybody, you know? So yeah. I don't know how outlaw that is, but I ain't really that worried about it. That seems pretty outlaw nowadays. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, the whole, the whole outlaw thing, uh, you know, really, uh, it's, it's more people, you know, everybody's got to have something to, you know, categorize it or, or whatever, you know. Um, and so it generally just gets, you know, described that way, I, I reckon, you know. Um, but um, it, it never bothered me, you know, either way. You know, I just kind of go with it. Um, but uh, uh, I'm not out robbing banks anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, in so 1991, your first album was My Heroes Have Always Been Cowboys. Are there any uh, cowboys besides like country singers that are big heroes of you, like bull riders or anything like that? Are you? Um, I used to like the uh, Lone Ranger when I when I was a little little, little kid, and uh, I, I, I I remember I had uh, this this wooden action figure that was the Lone Ranger and and Tonto <laughs> when I was when I was a little boy. Um, and uh, I used to watch a lot, lot, of, lot of old Western, a lot of Clint Eastwood movies, oh, yeah. and, uh, John Wayne, and, uh, a lot of stuff like that. And and, uh, and my dad was a big Gene Autry fan. He, he's like a lot of the old Gene Autry movies, stuff like that. Okay. But that uh, that song, the My Heroes Always Been Cowboys, um, I had covered the the song. Mm -hmm. um, about from Willie Nelson uh, on that on that album. That's that's where that title came from. Okay. Um. So we kind of talked about um, more like independent artists uh, nowadays and how like more people are able to kind of do the thing their own way and on their own terms. 
Uh, is there any, I guess, advice that you have for some of those that are kind of like struggling or not trying to um, kind of like give in to being commercialized? Yeah, commercialized. Thank you. Yeah, I would just say just, man, just stick stick to whatever you are comfortable with and whatever you believe in and, and do what's right for you. And don't don't work. You don't have to try to be outlaw or 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 pop or or anything just do what do what you like you know and and take take your influences and and meld them all together and then that's what will form you you know um i have many many different you know influences um i went to uh uh, um northern kentucky university on a jazz and classical guitar scholarship um, I love to play classical music and jazz, and when I, I also love Western swing. And back then, when I was when I was going to school, uh, in a day I was playing jazz guitar in the big band, and at night I was playing in the honky tonks. And I realized all the parallels between it. Uh, you know what what um, Benny Goodman and, and and guys like that were doing was very similar to what Bob Wills and the Texas Playboys were doing. It was just different instruments bob wills had a fiddle and benny goodman had a clarinet you know and and they both had great guitar players you know um and and so that 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 really influenced me and then i put together the connections that uh willie nelson was always one of my favorite guitar players his guitar style was so unique and then i realized that his guitar hero was Django, the great gypsy jazz guitar player, Django Reinhardt. And so I started, you know, I went down a rabbit hole of connecting the dots and how all the different music, country and blues, and I'm a huge Southern rock fan and, uh, you know, and delving back into all of their influences. And it all really kind of makes sense and influences each other. My mom, Mom Majorly, she uh, played bluegrass, Appalachian, and gospel music, and she played dulcimer and banjo and auto harp and guitar. And uh, she was on the Midwestern Hayride back in the 1950s, and um, I still got her old 78 records. Her group was called the Buckeye Bells, and okay. they had a couple hits back in the early 50s, and they recorded at Herzog Studios, where were. Um, in Cincinnati, where where Hank Williams had recorded, and uh, Foggy Mountain Breakdown was recorded. Yeah, we we recorded a live album. We were we were the first uh, to go back on the 61st anniversary of when Hank Senior had recorded six of his songs in Herzog Studio, and on that very day, we gathered and Jody Payne came up and played on that album with us. He came up from his home in Alabama. He had retired from Willie because um, he was starting to be in, in poor health. And uh, he came up, and the last album he played on before he passed was that live album we made at Herzog Studio. Oh, wow. And, and my mama, Majalee, and Jody and I uh, stood in the exact spot 61 years to the day, and we, we did I'm So Lonesome I Could Cry in oh. the very spot that I so cool. recorded it in, and it's on that album. That's and so it was pretty cool, you know. <laughs> Well, I think our last question for you is probably which artist do you think is going to be carrying country music for like in the next 20 years? Because you've been, you've been playing for a long time. Do you see any up and coming guys that you're like, wow, I, I think country music's in good hands? I'll, I think there's, a, there's probably too many to say any, anyone. <laughs> there's, I, I'd, say, I'd say country music's doing just fine. You know, there, there's just a ton of great, uh, great, uh, 
you know, singers and songwriters and performers out there. And I wouldn't want to favor anyone over, over another or anything like that. But um, I will say that going back to on the whole independent thing, um, there's so many people that are able to get their voices heard now and get their songs heard now that um, if they were signed to a major label deal, they wouldn't be very few of them would, would be getting a lot of their, their own songs, you know, cut and, and, and instead of told, you know, you're going to sing this and you're going to dress like this, you're going to do, you know, this is going to be your persona, you know, um, the whole, the way it is now, you can be, just be yourself, you know, and, and I think that's the best thing for it. And, and that's, that's what will let the music uh, be in, in good hands, as you say, you know, um, cause you're going to have everybody coming out with, with, with their own stuff. And that, that's, what's going to kick the can farther down the road. And, and especially when you have, uh, you know, people growing up, um, the younger generation, their influences, um, you know, are different than like mine were, and it's just going to keep moving everything forward, you know? Well, yeah, so, I, 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 I think, I think it is a good answer. <laughs> yes, yes, I agree with you. I think, uh, with all these streaming services and allowing people to do stuff on their own, like you're saying, I think, I think people are starting to stop listening to that mainstream radio and maybe turn it on their Bluetooth in their car and stuff. And, going down rabbit holes and finding these artists that aren't as talked about. So I, I right. Yeah. It's, it, it, and it's, and it's, there's so much out there, you know, now, and, and like you say, you, you do go down a rabbit hole with it and one artist leads you to another, it's, you know, and it's, it's, it, it's a great thing. And, and like I say, going back to what we were originally talking about, about the touring, um, for us, I can only speak for us. Um, we're doing what we can while we can right now, but eventually, you know, hopefully things will get back to, you know, to where we are able to, um, you know, tour and everything. Uh, and that, that's, that's the best thing. And, and it, it's so, so many different type of, of venues have, you know, live music now and, and are open to, to this um, genre. Of, of music and it's given people a lot of more places to play than, than, than ever used, used to be um, for, for years, like all through the nineties and stuff, like we really didn't tour much. We've kind of played regionally in like Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, West Virginia, and Tennessee. And we'd have an occasional trip, you know, um, and back then it was nothing at all. Like what it's turned into now where you, you can be an independent artist and literally tour the whole country. I mean, we, for the last 10 years or so, we've done over 300 shows a year from New York to LA and Texas and Tennessee and all points in between. And we've done it all on our, all on our, all our, on our own, you know, um, you, you can do it on, on your own now. Yeah. That, that's, that's the greatest thing about being independent. I think. I think it's like Ben mentioned, like all the streaming services, anyone who has like a computer that they can record some on that, like they can get their stuff out there and, do it on their own terms, like us creating a podcast with just a computer. Like, same there you go. artists, like get a guitar or something, get a computer, and yeah, you're up, and you're up and running. You yeah. know, and and, and and you have an outlet for for what you're doing, and it, it's a great thing, man. You know, <laughs> and we appreciate you doing it. <laughs> I appreciate y'all having me on here. Oh yeah. yeah, thanks for coming on, man. It really helps us grow, and 
I'm glad I'm able to promote your music. So. Yeah, it's been probably right. talking to you. <laughs> Hopefully we can do it again soon. Yeah, too. let's do it again real soon. Oh. We'll come and see you at Bucks. Yeah. Okay, come on. We'll get amongst it. <laughs> Race yeah. Allen Slang Gravel. That's fair. <laughs> Take care, man. <laughs> All right. Adios, amigos. Yeah. yeah. All right, so really quickly, just to finish up, uh, Ben and I kind of want to talk about some new things with country music lately that's been coming out. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention uh, – this past Friday, Eric Church released Bad Mother Trucker. Yeah, that was a cool song. I say I thoroughly enjoy that one. I was a little nervous when I saw the name. I just I didn't know if it was going to be like a typical bro country song about a pickup truck. But it was very cool about how it's about his mom who's a, a truck driver and just how maybe the other truck drivers would laugh at her because she's a woman, but she was a a bad girl. And like she, she was a bad mother truck. Yeah, she could haul, haul the pickup and. She, and it's just about it was from the perspective of of a kid and, and riding around with his mom. So it was a very different song, but really, really liked it. I think this album Church is making is going to be a strong one. Yeah, I'm excited for you know potentially the next thing that he releases, um, and like the next single off that album, and just really looking forward to the album in general. I yeah. think it's. I was a little nervous at first with the how he wrote like a song a day for like 28 mm -hmm. days. But these first two have really hit it out of the park. And I'm really excited for what comes next. Yeah, it'll be exciting. I heard uh, supposedly the album should be out January, 2021. So not too much longer. I don't know how many more songs he'll release, but uh, so it'll, I've heard rumors of a double album or just like a 28 song album. So who knows? Yeah. And then, so also this week, uh, we had Randy Travis, uh, his first, new single. Yeah, first single since 2013, yep. so that was very cool. Um, I say, I know lately you've been kind of listening to a lot of Charlie Crockett. He came out with his new album recently, uh, Welcome to the Hard Times. Yeah, the title track off that album was probably my favorite song mm -hmm. off there. He's One of my buddies is really big into him and has gotten me into him, and I'm still scratching the surface with Charlie Crockett, but uh, I'm, I'm getting into those those that little circle of like Vincent Neil Emerson, Coulter Wall, Charlie Crockett. So definitely check those guys out. Um, I'm a big fan of them. I say, yeah, I really fell in love with the new song off there. Uh, Don't cry. Mm -hmm. um, I really got hooked on that one pretty quickly and I've slowly started kind of dig deeper into his stuff. Um, we have Coulter Wall coming out with a new album. Is it next or this month now? Isn't yeah, it? this month it'll be coming out August. Uh, he just released Cowpoke, which was a big, it's an old cowboy song that he's covered a lot. He's covered it on YouTube. Uh, there's a famous uh, performance he has on YouTube of that. And it's just been a song he's played a lot in concert. So glad to see that song's been released finally. And it's, it's probably one of my favorite songs right now. Uh, Paul Coffin, he hasn't released it yet. He has a new song coming out though called Bones. Uh, it should be out soon. I'm hoping at least within the next week or two that we get to hear it. Um, so that's something we're going to try and keep you guys updated on and let you know about. Uh, we're really looking forward to that one. Um, Brent Cobb has a new album coming out. In October. October yes, 2nd. Oct yep, October. Um, keep them on the toes. Uh, looks like we're going to have 10 songs on there. He's already released the title track, Keep Them on the Toes. I love that song. Uh, it's something I've been listening to a lot lately. And then the other one that he's released so far off the album is The World Is Ending. 
Uh, he released that earlier this year. Yep. It was like probably May. Yeah, I wonder. I probably April you know, May time. Probably like another like we were talking with Dallas. Probably another uh, coronavirus like pandemic mm-hmm. type of song. But then another one to keep an eye out for, guys. Uh, just remember our friend of the show, Tom O'Connor's got a song coming out this month, Mr. Perfect. So yep. keep an eye out for that. August fourteenth, and then uh, I'll let you talk about this. We started making like give us. We want you to give us a follow on our music board page. Yeah, music board is an um, app. It's like social media for music lovers. We're able to review music or songs, or albums, just whatever, and give our opinion. We've got two right now. We reviewed Adobe Sessions by Cody Jinks, and then we reviewed uh, John Stork's Radio Cowboy Deluxe. So check that out. Those are two great albums. We gave them outstanding reviews, but follow it follow it because we won't be afraid to give some of these guys a piece yeah. of our mind so we'll we could, might review like a thomas rett song or a morgan wallen song so uh it, it might be funny so if you're if you're into that give us a follow on there it's a really cool app for yeah. music lovers and then one last song i wanted to mention um well i guess just one last artist tennessee jet he's released a couple new singles recently um and he's got a new album coming out here uh, very soon. His last song that he released was Hands on You and it's uh it's about how he kinda he can't take his eyes off uh someone having their um hands all over uh like his girl or like his old girl or something like it's a great song. I really like it. Um so that's something you guys should give a listen to. Yeah so we'll probably end it with our song recommendations. Um first off Go go check out Dallas Moore's music. Go my yes. um, go like he said he plugged uh, Raising Hell, Singing Gravel. Check that one out. But then my other recommendation would probably be uh, Cal Poke, just because it's a, a newer song. It dropped last week, so check that one out. Yeah, and then I mentioned mine already. It's uh, Keep Them on Their Toes by Brent Cobb. Love it. Love the sound. Everything about it's amazing. So I guess with that, we'll see you guys oh, next um, time. Yeah, we're got an interview lined up with curtis grimes so that one will be yeah so real good so look forward to that coming out and yeah we'll try and keep you guys updated on everything outlaw country uh thanks for listening the outsiders the outsiders